everybody in this industry does it backwards. They wake up and wonder to go out there and try to find sellers and people in our group. And we wait, it's the opposite. We wake up and sift through a bunch of signed offers and see which ones we want to buy. Exactly. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Stephen Butala and Jill DeWitt, who are the founders of The Land Academy. And in this episode, they will tell us the best ways to send out direct marketing pieces. And besides teaching us how to send out direct marketing pieces to get a nonstop wave of sellers, they'll also teach us their system to control each deal by closing on all of their properties. This episode is sponsored by Conventus Lending. Conventus is a hard money lender based in San Francisco that can help you with your fix and flip projects or help you get a loan for rental properties. So if you're looking to get a hard money loan, you can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. And if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified when we release our next episode. And now onto the show. All right, Stephen and Jill, it's a pleasure to have you guys on the show today. Can you guys introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do? I'm Jill DeWitt. This is my partner, Stephen Jack Butala, and we are Land Academy and actually House Academy also. And we are acquisition pros buying and selling primarily rural vacant land, but we do all kinds of other properties too. We have about, we're pushing 16,000 transactions now to date. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So how did you guys get started? I started in commercial real estate in the early 90s, buying and selling long-term care facilities like nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Some of the most difficult, painful, blood, sweat, and tears transactions you can possibly do. You got to get approval from the feds and the state. And there's just an amazing amount of, there's a hundred reasons for a deal not to happen. And even when everything goes right, it takes a year to do the deal. So I went from that and just having this lust to trying to find a simple real estate deal where you can double your money and in the end, it became land. So since I made that transition in the late 90s to land full time, we've been improving it as we go. So in the early or the late 90s, were you a broker or an investor in the commercial space? I was never a broker. I, well, I was a broker for like the first six months, but then I became an acquisition vice president of acquisitions for a, a large accounting company that specialized in these long-term care transactions. And then I, we took a company public and ultimately I just couldn't take it anymore and went off on my own. Okay. And then when you guys went off on your own, that's when you started going into the land deals. Yeah. And I I spent a decade doing it. Then I met Jill and and that's when it really took off. I met Jill around 2010. Oh, that's awesome. So what kind of changed once you guys met each other and took your investing game to the next level? I started doing all the crap he hated. (laughs) We break down our deals into three phases, acquisitions, engineering, and sales. And all of our deals are, we establish deal flow through data sets, through data. Like I'm a data, data person. So We send out massive offer campaigns, tens of thousands of offers at a time for people who own vacant land and a very predictable and consistent percentage of them, them, sign them and send them back. And I'm very, very good at that. I always have done. I applied all this commercial real estate stuff to this simpler product type and it worked out well. And then the whole goal is to get a thing purchased, get it up on the internet and get it resold. And from the time that it gets up on the internet, that's when Jill takes over because she's a natural salesperson and a professional salesperson her whole life. So I'm acquisitions and she's sales. Okay, awesome. Can you talk about that whole phase? I mean, how do you even come to that point where you're sending out tens of thousands of offers at the same time? 
pretty cool. So Jill and I are, are licensed providers, uh, the, what I think are the three best data aggregators from uh, Assessor Data in the country, DataTree, RealQuest Pro, and Title Pro. And we take data sets, like let's say all the five acre properties in, uh, what county are you in? Santa Clara County. Okay, so you take all the five acre properties in a given county, you kind of price them out, manipulate the data, remove, scrub out all the data that owners that don't want. You're not going to send an offer to the United States government or the city of whatever. So, you know, through not to bore you here, but I get that data set, I get it in the mail, I price it correctly through using mail merge and a, and a bunch of tools and we get it in the mail and it, it's a predictable number of people sign them and send them back just because they don't want the land anymore. I, wanna, I was going to back up and add the whole reason this all started is because he figured out years ago it was an easier way to find sellers. Instead of picking up the phone, it was way back from the old days. You know, I don't want to pick up the phone and call everybody from the acquisition and get turned down. And then you could only cover so many people in a day. It's like I have a thing about driving for dollars. You could only cover so much territory in one day as one person. And even now, it's I didn't even think about it. You can't go door to door really anymore. No one's going to answer the door. <laughs> so how do you reach if sellers, you could, right? Yeah. So this turned out to be the best thing, which is not just blasting them with direct mail, but it's a lot of offers. So we had to figure out a way to do it really cheaply, efficiently. We've got all that covered. Get, get hands-on quality data cheaply. We got that covered. But it's not just a postcard. It's not just a, hey, I want to buy your property because that's the last thing you want to do because then everybody's going to call you and they yeah. want retail. Stephen puts a lot of thought and energy into the area, where it's going to work, what's going on there, and then getting very professional actual offers with a dollar amount down to the penny in their hands. Yeah. And what happens is it's just, he just was playing, you know, figured this out a while back with another thing. It's worked forever. And when you, these people get these offers, they open them and they, they see it. They're either going to throw it away. They don't want to sell, or they're going to put it in a file for a rainy day. Like I don't need the money right now, or they're going to act on it. And the nice thing is they are acting on our offer price. They know we're all in the same ballpark here kind of thing. They know who we are, what we do. And when they're calling back, they're either, you know, saying, yep, I accept, or, Hey, I know you sent me an offer for X. If you make it Y, we got a deal and it might work kind of thing. It just takes all of the chasing sellers down. And it, I just sit back and wait for the phone to ring. Everybody in this industry does it backwards. Yeah. They wake up and wonder to go out there and try to find sellers and people right. in our group. And we wait, it's the opposite. We wake up and sift through a bunch of signed offers and see which ones we want to buy. Exactly. For land and houses. Awesome. So if I hear that correctly, you're actually coming up with the offer price while you send it out. That's very strange. Most people don't do that because it takes a lot of effort to do that. Exactly. Right. And that's what triggers a lot of things for people too. They're like, well, how did you get this price? You know, where did this come from? And it's, you know, again, we're in the ballpark and it, it gets them interested and motivated. The only reason it works is because there's so much available data on sure. this product, this product type. You know, there's... Think about just a regular house and how much data algorithm, how many billions of dollars companies like Zillow and Redfin and everybody other company out there has spent on on uh, pricing that asset, that individual asset. Take the average of all those prices and then reduce it by eighty thousand bucks. Send everybody an offer. It's very, very, very effective. I see. Is that kind of similar to what you're doing? You are just aggregating the data and the, you know homes in this area go for X, and then you just subtract by some factor, and then you send out kind of a blast like here's what a home in this area would sell for. So that's what your offer is. No, we actually price for homes. We price the actual asset. So there might be, we might send out 10,000 offers to, to 10,000 separate homeowners. But the way that we have the, the algorithms and the database set up, 
it prices that specific offer to the cent. It's literally wow. it cents on the end. Mm-hmm. Is it something that you like programmed yourself or had someone help work for you? Both, but it, it started with me. Very interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see how having an offer like that is, stands out a lot more compared to everyone else who just randomly calls you, see if you're offered, is interested, and then negotiate from there. Exactly. And it warms them up, you know, what we're looking to pay. And we follow through. There's a lot of steps to it also, but we stick to our word. Whatever price we agree on, that's cash, you know, net to you. And whether it's land or houses, you know, it's like, I don't have to do anything to it. I don't have to find a broker. You know, if it's a house, I don't have to remodel the kitchen. You know, everybody loves it. We never improve the asset ever. I'm a huge believer of there's two ways to create equity in real estate. Number one is what everybody does, which is improve the asset. You buy it, you change the kitchen out, or in the case of apartment buildings, you scrape it all out and put in new appliances. And there's a lot of different ways to improve assets. Uh, on a bigger scale, you take a piece of raw land and put a regional mall there. That's a pain in the ass. It's expensive. There's all kinds of unpredictable things that can happen. It's very risk adverse, in my opinion. For some people, it's not. For me, it is. We would rather buy an asset cheaper than what it's worth today and create equity for ourselves that way. That's what we do. So we get in and get out. And I was going to say, I, I read up a little bit about you, Sean. And I, I, it sounds like you have some interesting stories on some deals that... <laughs> oh, I do. I have battle scars. Didn't necessarily go, didn't go well. <laughs> exactly. They'll be great stories five years from now. Right now, they suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, we have done that. We have oh, done yeah. remodels. We have done things. And I said, that's not my thing. I do not own a construction company. I do not want to own a construction company. I am lucky that we never lost money in those deals. But when I took a step back, like for us, and I realized, all right, I came home every day with, you know, soot in my hair and stuff in the construction. I'm like, to make $40,000 on a house flip, I'm like, all right, I could have done so many more deals in that time, sitting in air conditioning at my desk. Jill and I have never been so close to splitting up. our relationship ending as we were at the end of the last renovation. Yes. Yeah. I can tell it's a very stressful time uh, when you're renovating. Okay. So I guess most of you guys, you guys focus mostly on the wholesaling component, right? You're kind of basically buying something and then selling it to uh, an end buyer. Right. Okay. That's my perfect buyer. I love like land or houses. We often, because our goal is to make money, but not sell at retail because I want to move it fast. And I want the guy who buys it from me, whatever property type it is, to feel like he got a good deal. He's still getting something under what everything is selling for now. And that's why it moves so fast. And then the best possible thing happens is they come back wanting more. You know, next thing I know, like we do uh, a lot in the Phoenix area, like uh, house flips. We'll buy them and I sell them to flippers who are renovators. And they love it because... You know, there's no commissions involved. I'm still way below what they're buying it for is way below what they could have got it for. And then they come back and say, all right, Jill, I need five more in that zip code. Mm -hmm. Can you get those for me? And I'm like, all right, I'm on it. That's what I do. Wow. How are you able to create these connections if you guys are based in Southern California? Boots on the ground. Or, and sometimes it's us. So in those markets, I'll have a, usually it's like a husband and wife team, maybe family friends or someone in our community that we know. And they're the ones that will go out when the offer comes back. We'll have it all figured out, but they'll go and meet with the seller, you know, sit down, have coffee with them, take some quick pictures of the house kind of thing, arrange the inspection and kind of hold their hand through the process. And then when it comes time to sell it, I often just, I might do a quick 
you know, investors open house. Investor kind open, of thing. closed open house. Mm-hmm. And we pick up thing. and it, it, we'll pick up if you do it on a Saturday morning from like nine to 12, we'll pick up 25 people that are renovating houses in that zip code. Yeah. And then those are customers forever in those zip codes. Exactly. And how are you finding those 25 renovators in that area? I put it in the MLS. I just do flat rate MLS and say open house, come out and do it. And they'll come and check out because they're looking to buy it. You only have to do it in the first two, one or two houses. And then you've got a real tight, clean database of cash buyers. Exactly. I see. So you're listing on the MLS. You're saying this is a fixer. If you're an investor, please come through. And then during that time, you have them like sign in or whatever. And now you have this list of potential investors in this market that you can always just market to from now on. Yes. Or they're usually it's they're beating down my door anyway. They're like, shoot, I missed that one. All right, Jill, I can you get I wanted to buy that. Somebody else got it. What else you got coming up? Kind of thing. Usually they're calling me because it's it's priced so well. Right. Great. And what are you guys kind of pricing your wholesale deals to the next flipper? So I want to be careful with the wholesale word because I don't consider us that. We buy the property. We close on everything. We don't do dual escrow. We buy every single asset uh, without exceptions because we want to control the deal. And so we like to say we got there first, you know. Which is uh, true. You know, the wholesale means a lot of different stuff to certain people. Recently, I don't know. I mean, maybe you've seen this too. That word just just becomes this bad word. Like we got in the way of the deal. And when in fact, I think we created the deal. So. Which is true. Yeah. Because I've had to explain myself in in online forums because they kind of get confused about this. I am taking the risk. So yeah. when I, when this person, let's just give you an example in, you know, Mesa, Arizona, it's a, a house that we bought for $210,000, let's say. I bought it. I paid cash. It was my money or sometimes it's other people's money, but no matter what, we did it together and it's paid cash and those guys are done. So now I own the asset. So I'm trying to quickly sell it because it's on me now. I'm turning on the utilities. I'm paying the taxes. I'm doing all the stuff. I own it. So I do assume all the risk. And so, and I'm marking it up maybe sixty, seventy thousand dollars because it's worth 300 right now in its current condition. So that's the point. And so the guy who buys it from me bought it from, he comes in and these guys are usually cash or they have it all figured out anyway, because they're flippers, they have investors. They love buying something for me for 270, where everything else on the MLS, it starts at 300. They're going to fix it up, make it beautiful and market it at 450 or 500. That's what they do. And the way we do it, and my goal is always, I want them to make more money than I do. So they bought it for 270. It's worth 300 today. They put however much into it. They, you know, they market it for 400. They might make $100,000 on it. I don't know however well or fast that they do it. And that's why they're beating down our door really quickly going, I need 10 more of those or whatever. Yeah. I think it's really smart that you guys actually close on the property because like you said, it makes it so that the deal is a lot smoother. I'm a hard money lender. So I've actually worked with wholesalers all the time who have, you know, and buyer clients who use our services. But then sometimes, you know, when, Things don't go well. Sometimes we have to delay escrow. The original seller starts getting nervous or their agent starts getting nervous too. And the wholesaler is like, no, everyone calm down. Let's be chill. But, you know, the original sellers don't know how this whole thing really plays out. Right. You're exactly right. And that's it. I want to, I don't want anybody to steal the deal too, by the way. I've, I've yeah. learned part of it. So when I buy from these guys, it's cash and fast. And that's part of why these sellers love us and they're happy to, gosh, just be done and be on their way to the retirement home or whatever they're going to do next. They get cash fast. 
Now it's on me to quickly get it resold, marketed out there, you know, whatever. And I've had some that that didn't go so fast and that's on me. And then no one steals my asset too. I, I, I was going to say, I learned, I don't necessarily, I have a few investors that we've done a lot of deals. I have to be careful who I shop it to first before it closes. You know, I want to make sure, you know, we're closing today. Then my blast goes out and because everybody's driving by. <laughs> right. Makes sense. And have you had any challenges with buying a property and then no investors ended up wanting to take it? No. Oh, you mean like uh, somebody stealing a deal? Or stuck with one. No, not that. Yeah, you're stuck with one. Like you ended up, like no investor wanted it. Well, that's the thing. Cause we have a couple, everybody who is in this business has, um, you know, the vast majority of what we do is land, by the way. But we've got, everybody's got a couple of properties that for whatever reason are just sitting in inventory forever. We've got two or three like that, but it, they probably total $25,000, $30,000 of sale price value. And the only reason is, is I'm not aggressively marketing yeah. them. So you've said this forever. The only thing reason something doesn't sell is price and reach. And yeah. if you price it too high and you're not reaching the right people, that's it. That makes sense. And so what makes land like so attractive to you guys compared to like single family homes or like multifamily? Because it's so easy. It's such an easy transaction and it's so cheap. You know, we buy... I think people are have a skewed perception, largely because of the media or commercial real estate, about how much land costs. You know, Jill and I will regularly buy. I mean, we just did. We just bought two twenty-acre properties in Lake County, California, that are like four minutes, five minutes out of town, right on the on the state highway for ten thousand dollars each, and we'll wow. sell them for sixty each, probably. I thought it was like one hundred and twenty okay. each, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's some number <laughs> okay. that. That good example of a deal for us where you're doubling or tripling or quadrupling your cash money inside of 60 days, cash in, cash out. That's what's so attractive about it. Wow. I love too that. I don't need a whole team to do this. Now we never go me. see the property. Exactly. The property itself is insignificant. Everything that I need to know about the property, like 90% of it is on Google Earth, with the exception of maybe a phone call to the county to confirm some stuff. So you never leave your seat. It's so incredibly e efficient. So why would a seller sell you this property for 10K if it could sell for like 120K each? Because they don't want it anymore. For the same reason that people have garage sales. Yep. They're tired of looking at the stuff in their garage. And, you know, if somebody's got a used broom that's worth 30 bucks, they're going to sell it for a dollar at a garage sale just to be done with it. And mm -hmm. a shocking number of people are feel that way about real estate. Mm -hmm. It's always a life event that's fueling the decision for them to sell. Yeah. And from your... Uh... Typical sellers, what do you think that like life event usually is? Usually a lot of people, they just got older and nobody wants the property. Like a lot of people, they bought it. This was going to be our retirement home. We were going to build yeah. a cabin here, you know, all kinds of things like that. And then now they're 80 and that didn't happen. And the kids don't want it. And every year they keep it in these tax bills. And they're just like, look, baby, I've got a nice offer. Let's just be done with this and get it off our plate. I just sold a car to yeah. one of our kids' friends for like probably ha at least half of what it's worth. Right. Just because the kid's like, I'd love to buy that car. For this is how much money. I and I so now I don't have to do anything. Yep. I'm going to hand him the keys. He's going to hand me some cash. We both sign it. That's, you know, I could I have gone and, and it would have taken a whole weekend for me to figure out what to put it in the paper or whatever. Uh, Craigslist and do the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just convenience. That makes sense. I mean, I have an Airbnb that I just closed on. Well, not I didn't close on, but I sold it. It's an escrow and now I have a bunch of beds. I don't need all these beds in my house. So I'm going to basically do the same thing. I'm going to sell it. Like I'm going to Craigslist and sell it for like really cheap. 
Exactly. Or just put it on the free section of Craigslist. Then you'll get some people. Yeah, just let them come get them. It's not about the money. And that's it for a lot of these people. It's not about the money. You know, and sometimes too, a lot of the transactions, people have inherited this land. It's been passed down for years. And this happens. We These letters that we send are very personal and professional. These people save them. And they're calling us 10 years later. 10 years later. They're like, dad passed. Gosh, I just opened up this file and yeah, you guys are still here. And do you, gosh, do you want the property? And for them, it's like, you know, finding money in their pocket. Like, they wow. thank us. It's mm-hmm. shocking. They thank us in right, handwritten thank you notes. Yeah. Like, you know, you took this, this is my dad died and uh, I don't have to deal with this. There's one less thing I had to deal with in his estate. Yeah. It's so much different than on like the single family residence side that you get angry calls, angry letters. I get, you know, letters, oh, I'll sell you my house for $3 million cash, you know, it's double the value of whatever. And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm trying to weed out. And that's the thing with a strategic offer with a price yeah. on it. Those people won't even call you. That's right. Good. Cause they don't want to sell. I and mean, that's my job. Yeah. My job on the data end long before it ever gets, we start calling her is to weed a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And how do you like value the like land value? How, how do you determine that price? So you take a, and I'll try to be brief, but you'll take, let's say a zip code or a county, you take all the property that is either has been sold or is, is for sale, put it into a data set, and then you try to extrapolate on a per acreage basis, or in some cases per square foot, if it's infill lots in an urban area, a retail price. And then from there, I back down what we're willing to offer. And it's usually between 20 and 35% of that number. I see. Yeah, very nice. And then who is like the end buyer and why would they want that property? For land? Mm-hmm. If it's uh, an infill lot or an urban area, it's always home builders. There's a ton of home builders in every market that, and you can find those people by the permits that they pulled, which is public record at the county for like one or two houses side by side. They're not huge home builders. They just build individual homes. They're usually contractors. Or for large acreage, man, it's anybody. More than half, this is true for all real estate. More than half of the people who buy real estate live or own property within one mile of that actual, of that target property. So we have a a website called NeighborScoop where you can draw polygon or circle around their target property and download all the owners and all the information for the property and send them what we call a neighbor letter. Including phone numbers. I have phone numbers in there too. And the letter says, Mm -hmm. hey, this property isn't on the market. I know you own this property and it looks to me like you paid XYZ for it in 1997 this property's probably cheaper and, and it looks like it's better. Let us know if you want to buy it before we get it out to the market, before mm-hmm. we put it on that. It almost always works. I was going to add too, now COVID times, Yeah, you know, people are are going even further to buy a property and they're, they're, you know, they're getting the heck out of now. Now the tiny houses and modular homes and things like that, that people thought, you know, that's not for me. Now it's cool yeah. and people want to be out and have some space and have some land. So our business really, our volume increased with this whole period right now. It's awesome. Wow. That's great. And what would you say is your budget for your direct mail campaigns? Well, we own a company called Offers to Owners. And again, we didn't start these companies as profit centers. These are all tools that we, in a real sloppy, messy way, used ourselves to like for our own campaigns until 2015, when we launched Land Academy and decided to teach other other people how to do this largely because we are tired of answering people's questions. <laughs> so like, we have a bulk sale license and all this stuff. We have a company called offers to owners. 
It costs, I think, 55 cents mm-hmm. to send a letter. The data subscription, this is after the, I think it's seven or eight or 10 cents we charge per the line of data. Per unit, yeah. So our budget, I think we send out 10,000 a month right now. I'm about 10,000 a month. I could do more. We're getting ready to up it. You know, I have to say, if, if you're, whoever's listening to this, if you're new, that's don't, please don't send out 10,000 letters. So you're gonna, like 10,000 units. Get, you'll get crushed with phone calls and can cost as low as like $6,000. So if you back it up, say you want to send out 3,000, you could do that for what, $1,500, $1,600. I usually just look at it as half. 10,000 letters cost five grand. Right. And you're going to buy at least three properties on that. For houses, way more for land. Oh, for, for land, land you're going to buy 20 yeah. maybe. Wow. Yeah. I always use $10,000 as a profit, as a net, 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 net profit. So to spend five to make 30,000, I don't know how you can argue with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And are you hitting the same place over and over again, or are you trying different markets all the time? We have people in our group that are huge advocates of just pounding the hell out of one area. It's usually where they live. And then they end up doing business there forever. We move all over the country. For some mm-hmm. reason, that just works for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, you maybe send one, one time or two times at most, and then keep trying different markets. Usually, yeah, because yeah. they save them. What I'll do though is I'll hit like the first, we might hit all the five to 10 acres and that worked out great. Okay. Now we're doing 10 to 20 acres. Well, that went even better. Now we're gonna do the 40 above acres or, you know, and we'll do different things when we find areas that we really like and it works really well. I see. Well, for 40 acres, do you ever do any kind of work to split that up or you just sell it as is? We never, ever improve the property ever. All right. We never go see it. Yeah. Okay. I can tell you why we've been stung. Here's the thing. Every time we say, you know what, we should put a road in there or we should split it. You know, we don't do it anymore, but a year later, we still own the property. It's still, there's some paperwork going on at the county. And we could have done 25, 30, 40, 50 deals in that time. Mm -hmm. And the amount of time that it spent, we took on the phone with planning and zoning or or whatever. Survey and I would rather make, I would rather buy a 40 acre property for 25,000 bucks and sell it for 35 than go improve it and sell it for 100. Right. Just, I've done all the math 50 different ways and it, it's just better to just resell it. It's crazy to think that you can buy 40 acres of land for just 25K. Oh, yeah. We regularly buy 40 acre properties in the Southwest for four grand, $100 an acre. Mm. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and are you guys choosing any specific market or are you just kind of going all over the United States? Well, I let the data choose the market that we're in. So what I do is I, I have what's called a red, green, yellow test. And I take all this, the data that I referred to earlier the for sale and sold data. And I line it up into a spreadsheet and a template that I created. And I look at days on market for all product types. And I look at the universe of properties that are in that market, whether it's a zip code or a county, line up the properties that are, are for sale and the numbers. And if the numbers all come out, according to the criteria that I've established, if you look at 10 markets next to each other, right in the spreadsheet, it's two or three of them are going to pop out at you. The data is going to say, this is where you should be sending mail. Right. Can you give an example of like a green zone versus a red zone? Yeah. So like, oh, you mean like a... What, like days on market or what? Yeah, days on market. Yeah, like the numbers and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Days on market right now. I've never seen days on market so low in my life, in my entire real estate career since 1991. Good days on market for us is anything below 30. The properties that are for sale. So I need to see uh, all the properties that are listed for sale on, let's say Zillow, because there's some for sale by owner properties there against all the properties that are in the whole county or the municipality or the, whatever you're looking at, it needs to be about 
0.75%. So three quarters of 1%. So there needs to be a very low amount of property for sale there. So hundreds of properties for sale and the county is tens of thousands, thousands like 40,000 yeah. parcels in the property in right. the county. And there's a few other stats yeah. that are in there that really send it home for me. So you look at new list to sold. New list to sold. Yeah. I look at that a lot. Yeah. Basically showing the inventory and how many months of inventory we have left, right? Yeah, I'm not, you know, it's funny, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah. I didn't think you're going to get this technical. I mean, that, that means a lot to certain people, but for us in land, it doesn't mean as much because that's, a, I think it's a residential statistic, but every, that's such a great point. I mean, the way people see data I've learned in the last 20 years is very unique. And so it's like, I see data a certain way and that statistic makes sense to use. And I don't want to discourage anyone ever from like, if it makes sense, add it. Right. I mean, I, people can look at the same data set and come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And so now you have this Land Academy. Do you want to talk about what you guys teach? Sure. Well, it's funny because it started years ago because we had so many of our buyers, right, coming to us saying, all right, I just bought this from you. I just made X amount of money. How the heck are you buying it so cheap? So we would separately like one off tell people there's enough property to go around. That's the bottom line too. We're not, not afraid. We, and we did the math. You know, there's a lot out there. We could, we're not going to trip on each other. So we decided that let's just put this program together. Just we're one off sharing this with people, our buyers, you know, and people that come to us, you know, what we do. So we put together a whole program start to finish. We started in 2014 and we released it and launched it in 2015 and called it Land Academy. And it was so cute because Stephen's like, oh, who's going to want this? You know, kind of thing. Let's just, we it was on no DVDs. Idea. We're like, we recorded <laughs> it. We did all this thing. We, and we did every, we sat down. We spent so much into this too. We like months spent on this because, and every question was like, do we want to include this? We're like, you know what? Yes, let's just include everything. So it's start to finish our whole business model. Everything from, you know, getting your website up and going and your social media and, to what good pictures look like and closing deals and talking to sellers and talking to buyers and every last little thing. So we launched this and then it went, Oh my gosh, hold on to your hat. You know, here we are no idea. five years later, would, it would be like this and this huge community and it's grown into a big community. And it's so awesome because now we, we, we now are able to supply all kinds of professional level tools because there's so many of us that we didn't have that I can give to somebody brand new at a rate that they can afford. It's so great. Yeah. Like, God, I wish I, we often say, I wish I had me when I was starting out. You know, I wish I had us because it was so helpful. So we teach it, we get them up and going. We now provide all the support. And then the best thing I think is our community. They're all like-minded people and we never hold back. Like this show, you can ask us anything you want, Sean, and we will happily answer any detailed specific question. And we built a community like that where everybody's helping each other. And now what's turned into, we're all helping fund each other's deals. So like, you know, we tell everybody, I don't care how little you have out of the gate, you've got a good deal. I'll fund the deal because that that was a huge, no good deal should go to waste. That's really what the net effect positive thing that you know, it's true. It really did work for everybody. Yeah. We've got new people coming in that, that are genuinely interested in this and succeeding. And then we've got some experienced people that we taught and seasoned that have t- access to tons of money. So they're funding our deals now. We're funding their deals. We've got 1031 specific partnerships that we, we're working on to, to build through certain, you know, we're 
There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. We created partners for ourselves. Yeah. And now we can pick and choose which partners we want based on personality and everything. So it really, truly worked out. I was so pessimistic about it when we started. <laughs> Oh, congratulations. I think one of the, I think one of the main benefits that you're saying is that I think people who get into real estate, sometimes they don't have the capital required and they use that as a limiting belief. They think, you know what? I don't have the money. Real estate is probably not for me. And by having your academy where you said you're willing to fund a deal, if it's a good deal, at least now they're like, well, I just have to go out and find a good deal. And then I know everything will be taken care of. That's it. That's exactly it. You know, and our, and our members, as we're going, are saying, Hey, it'd be really cool if you could have this. So about a year ago, they said, it'd be really cool if I could, if we could just, because we have members who are just money people and we have members who are young and, and want to do deals. And right. so we developed these two websites called Land Tank and House Tank, where you can just put bank, landtank.com or housetank.com. You can put a deal on there and somebody will fund it mm-hmm. immediately. Oh, wow. And it's all free to our members. I think it's free, isn't it? Uh-huh. And it works out really well. So interesting. And since you've seen... No, it's not open to the public. They can I guess. see, but they can't see the stuff. Like okay. the public can see some of the deals, but they can't see the specifics, like the APN and the and that. So yeah, nice. And since you guys have had so many students, I'm sure you have seen like common traits amongst them. Like, what are some of the common traits that your successful students have versus some who just can't get things going? I'll answer this. I was I was going to make a joke. Reckless, like me. <laughs> <laughs> no. But a lot of them, they had prior business experience is really huge. You know, too, Sean, starting anything that you do, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of things that pop up. You know, there's a lot of whether you're, you know, buying a house and figuring out funding or our contractors, whatever, there's always there's always obstacles. And we found people that have owned a business before. They know how to get through obstacles to get to that point to open their door and sell whatever it is. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, but that's a real huge one. And they're not, they're, I I use reckless funny, but it's, they're not fear. They're not afraid. So, and that's me. When I came into this, I had a little bit of experience from some past jobs and watching my dad invest in properties. And he was an investor and had his own properties for a while. I just kind of, I was young. I just watched it, but I was never afraid. I'm, and so he says, I need you to go get this. And, Here's what we're willing to pay. And I'm like, I'm on it. There's two separate personality types that do really well in this environment. In my opinion, there's the accountants, engineers like me. That's true. They're data analysis. And then there's sales, just liquid sales. We have the what we call an advanced group. There's probably about 20 people in it. It's, it doesn't cost anything. And they just, they rose through the ranks really quickly. We have a website called landinvestors.com, which is like a bigger pockets, but just for us. And it's open to the public. So you can see when they're vocal in there. So these 20 people are either on this, they're either salespeople or they're like tech people. Yep. And that happens too. We have these live events and they, people have matched up in those live events and they're just partners forever. Yep. So I think that, you know, you just, you have to be organized. You have to basically bring something to the table. That's the, what I see people like. You're a very logical person for this because you failed at doing a house. You know, a lot of people come to us who have failed at renovating houses and who have try to buy and sell land through other people's programs. And it just felt like something was missing. Like that last piece wasn't there. And uh, those people do really, really well with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's like, because you're in sales, you are always out there, you know, kind of know how to make things work. And also for like the engineers and accounting types, they're so logical that at the end of the day, they're just not scared of taking action. And that's kind of like what differentiates them from the ones who don't do as well. Well, it's like, cause there's two parts. That's why we are so lucky that yeah. he's the data guy. 
He would prefer to be in a dark room for a weekend, you know, analyzing and getting the offers out and getting them in the mail. And then he's out. That's it. He doesn't want to answer the phone when the sellers call. And he definitely doesn't want to answer the phone when the buyers call. That's where I come in and my team. And I love all that. So we are, those are the two kind of traits that you need. And, and we found that in our community and there's people that say, God, I'm the data guy. I'm, you know, or someone will say I'm the Jill and some will say I'm the Jack, you know, kind of thing. And so we try to, that's with our community, they can find the missing piece too and work together and grow their businesses. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that your new students have to getting their business started? Attitude. Yeah, that's it. I can tell you in 60 to 90 seconds if it's going to work or not with, with most people. And I, that may or may not sound harsh to certain people. We're not gurus here. We're not, we've done 16,000 deals. We're not, we're going to, not going to promise you a Ferrari. I hate all that stuff. There's so many idiots in this space. I don't need to tell you. There's so much schlocky crap. And I think, unfortunately, people, for whatever reason, some people think this is easy and it's not. It's a hell of a lot of work. It's, it needs to be at some point a full-time job. And there's a lot of moving parts to it and a lot of stuff that can go wrong. You know, we're fortunate at this point, we figured all those things out through time. But I think the biggest challenge is attitude and confidence. I think, I don't think it has anything to do with real estate. Real estate's insignificant. The same person that's going to do well buying and selling land is probably going to do well buying and selling anything, including like trading, day trading. Right. I think the thing about us is too, is that we're investors first, this second. So my number one business is I'm right, I'm doing deals right next to you. Or, you know, that's the thing. Or we're doing deals together. And then secondary, I'm helping other people and showing them how to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's an attitude for sure. Because I guess some people come into here thinking that it's super easy and that within like one year, they're going to have the nice cars and stuff and don't realize that there's a lot of work behind it. Exactly. Oh, great. I always tell them, don't, normally don't do that. Don't quit your day job. We tell people too. Yeah. We say, I want you to quit your day job when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I should have done that a year ago. Or two years ago. Exactly. I quit my job two years too late. I did all the math. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I could have had a million bucks in the bank if I had quit my job two years earlier. So I'm not advocating quitting <laughs> your job, but I really do think you need to do it two years too late. Be conservative. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what's next for you guys? That's a great question. That consumes Jill and I's personal conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'll tell you. You want to share what you're working on? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, from the ground up in about a year, year and a half, our printing company sends out for our group about half a million letters a month. And our data, down, data downloads are, this is without our personal stuff. Our data downloads are close to, it's, it's like seven or 800,000 units a month. So We've inadvertently built this brand, this Land Academy brand. Uh, so I'm not sure. I don't know what's next. She's killing it with land right now. I'm like hiring like seen. a maniac. I'm like building my team to do more deals faster is what I'm doing. And then he's also working on new product types. He's always ahead of us and, and looking at all kinds of different things will just say, not just land and not just houses, but it won't, won't be multi-tenant, nothing like that. We were in pre-launch yeah. for a company called Car Academy, where you send a bunch yeah. of offers out to people who own cars. Oh, Same situation and got to the like week from launch and found out we were just completely out of compliance. There's a tremendous amount of rules about soliciting people, data. using DMV data to solicit people for anything, which is we're all car owners or we all have, have been at one point. We've never gotten an offer like that. So we had to stop that. I was 
which was really disappointing. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars into it in time. So I was always looking for new products like that. Texting people offers is something we went way down the path and then the attorneys cut us off at the end. There's spam rules and stuff and it's very hefty fines. It's like 250 bucks a person. So you send out 5,000 offers via text like that. It's really intriguing. It's just not viable. So I'm always looking for new ways to to improve how we're buying and selling property and sharing it, you know, under some like a SaaS model. We have a company called Neighbors Group, which is amazing. It's an amazing way to look up, you know, the vast majority of the properties in this country. There's 150 million properties in the country. It's a finite data set. We think it's infinite, but it's not when you really look at it. And about 70% of those don't have a post office address. So it's very hard. You can't go on Realtor.com or Zillow and find any properties. So we created this neighbor scoop thing or parcel fact. It's the same thing. You type in the state county APN and it gives you all the data on the property you could ever want to know, including the owner's phone number. Mm-hmm. So that that's becoming extremely popular and it's really easy for us to run. So there's we're gonna I think there's a bigger use for that, like people who might own hair salons to find out who their customers are within a mile. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Wow, that's super exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to whenever that product launches. It's out there. Oh, it's already out there. Yeah, it's yeah, neighborscoop.com. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Stephen and Jill, this has been a very fun conversation. Do you have any last tips for our listeners before we end our show today? I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. How's the hard money lender business going? And like, what's the perfect deal for you? Yeah. So right when COVID hit, a lot of the things became ultra conservative and we reduced our LTVs our rates went up like crazy. Since then, we've kind of tapered down a little bit. We're starting to see more deal flow as well. I think people are now comfortable in this COVID environment, even though I personally am not. So uh, anxious to get back into another deal, but there are some people out there who are not scared. So I mean, a perfect deal for us is something with a a lot of equity into it. You know, um, a lot of the newer investors don't have so much capital. So they try to get, you know, the maximum LTV they can get, including rehab budget. Uh, We prefer ones that have, more down payment, right? And those are like the perfect deals for us. Something above, you know, like 200K loan amount in the Bay Area here, right? Most properties are even $1 million in their as-is value. So those are great because it's the same amount of work, but everyone gets more for a bigger dollar amount. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think that leverage was just murder you. You know, and, and I watched it in commercial real estate early in my career, just destroy companies. We took up a company public that folded mostly because of leverage and, and the fi- incorrect financing, in my opinion. I was really young. I was in my 20s. Right. But uh, I think that, you know, we're, we're actually doing, we're buying some uh, mobile home parks and putting some improvements in. Look at me. I'm already eating my words. I'm improving an asset. But we're buying these mobile home parks and, and we're getting quoted after they look at the whole deal, 80% LTV with a real attractive, you know, 15-year, five-year term amortized on 15 years. And we're, my partners and I are saying, no. We just want 50%. So leverage is, uh, when you talk to people who are potential borrowers, so like 80 or 90% of them really want to just max out LTV. Oh yeah. Even the ones who are doing like a million dollars a year in profit, they still try to max out because again, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to what you guys are saying where they can do more deals this way. And True. I mean, there are some that really have their systems going on well. They have a good contracting team that can do the jobs efficiently. So for them, this is an opportunity to get more. And then, like you said, on the, on the flip side, if you did what I did, where I, I over leveraged, but I didn't have all the systems going in place, then it can really turn sour and end up being in a situation where you can't hold on to a property. And it is sad when you can't do that because right now, like the regular interest rates 
are so so nice it's like three percent for 30 or fixed if you get a regular jumbo loan or a fairly tiny uh, loan but you know if you are over leveraged and you can't you don't have the dti to then refinance yeah you can be in a very tight spot yeah especially for somebody new because i always say the first one or two deals you want to do as an investor you want to make sure they work because Mm -hmm. it'll like turn you off to the industry and it's just we've all had deals that don't work they just weren't the first couple and we're still in it you know it's okay Absolutely. I always lose a couple ball games. You always do. I was going to end with, I'm happy to be here and happy to be doing what we're doing right now because so many people have had, you know, job life changes. They weren't expected for obvious reasons right now. And I cannot tell you the people, I'm like, I'm going to try not to cry here, that have reached out and said, wow, if I didn't have this on the back burner right now, I don't know how I put food on the table. And we're watching a, a lot of people go from part-time thinking about this to maybe this is what we're doing, yeah, you know, kind of thing. And now, you know, being able to, we can fund deals for people, you know, they just got to get educated. Just got to put the time into it and get educated. And like you said, it's mentally have that right mindset and we'll help you the rest of the way. We'll fund the deals. We'll, we'll help you get there, get some money going. And then, and then you won't need me, which is what happens often. <laughs> so. Oh, it always happens. Yeah. People get rich and leave our group. Yeah, they go dark. <laughs> and then they never tell us. Yeah, I know. Like, like I don't know what I'm over here. <laughs> You're taking over the state of Virginia and stuff. Exactly. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show today. How can people get in contact with you? Landacademy.com. Is that they can go there. And if they have any questions or they want to reach out to us in any way, just send a note to support at landacademy.com. Or, you know, the other good thing, I'd say they can uh, right now for free, go to landinvestors.com. That's our online community. And they can just, you know, sign in and start asking questions and see what everybody's doing. First question I would encourage people to ask on landinvestors.com is, is this stupid and it doesn't work? And <laughs> what the hell's wrong with these people? And really like snarky stuff. Because well, our people are, you know, they're honest. <laughs> they were there six months ago and they'll answer those questions, honestly. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, Stephen and Jill, it's been a pleasure having you guys on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank right. you very Thanks. much. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review to get updated when the latest episode comes out. A brief summary of this podcast can be found in the show notes at everythingrei.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.